Welcome back to another episode of The Sideline. My name is Rishi Oza. My name's Asher Heyer. And uh, really break down a very eventful first couple of games of the Western Conference Finals with Denver and L.A. Um, I have never been more nervous during games. I'll say that right now. Like, this was by far the most nervous I've ever been during Nuggets games. Like, especially game two, the fourth quarter, I, like you could see sweat like through my shirt. Like it was ridiculous. Um, that was like, but I was also like probably the most fun I've ever had watching. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was lucky enough to go to the game and that environment, that environment is one of the most like fun things I've ever been a part of, you know, in life in general, like the, the loudness, first of all, with the amount of Lakers fans there are, um, and the Nuggets fans being able to drown out all those California people was amazing. Um, and I think th- with the Lakers having so many fans there, the Nuggets the Nuggets fans gets get fired up because they're like, well, "What are these LA people doing in our building?" Yeah. Um, and everyone gets fired up about that. And you know, it, it's LeBron. Everyone gets fired up, even if he just commits one foul. Everyone's like, "Yes, go!" <laughs> everyone just hates LeBron. Um. But no, nah, the, the the pop when uh, Porter hit that three to make it a 12-point game after Murray mm-hmm. had made like three straight threes, that was wild. So um, being there, it, it, it's weird. I get way more nervous watching on TV than I do being at the game. Like, I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I, I can see like I, – I, I actually have no explanation, but I, I really wasn't – I think it's something like get your frustration out. Like you can yell and like be as loud as you want. <laughs> maybe it, that like yeah like for me like i was yelling in my living room after like the porter three and like i like that was like as loud as i got during the game i didn't make any other noises because like it's like 9 p.m i don't want to yeah. wake anybody up yeah or at least be annoying no i, I wonder so, if it's I think like that's probably why if you're watching on tv like they just seem like video game characters that you're just kind of like hoping play well but then if you're at the game, you can really see, like, because just that they're in person and you can see the timeouts and stuff and see how fired up they are in the timeouts. Like, I don't know. It's just a different experience altogether. And I noticed it's, it's pretty hard to, like, <laughs> like realize. I, I, did, I had no idea Jamal Murray was 3 for 15 at one point. I, was, I, didn't, uh, yeah. I had no idea he had that rough of a game because the announcers aren't talking about it. The stats aren't showing up every time he misses a shot. Um, and so it, it's kind of hard to, like, keep track of the game when you're there and to keep track of, of the feel and the stats and stuff, I guess. But um, I'm I'm all researched out now, ready to talk um, about... It's, and, like, I, when you, like, you can tell when someone's having a bad game, but you, you can't, like... You don't even know how bad until you look at the stats. And Ball Arena... God bless their hearts. The service there sucks. Like, you cannot oh, get anything. You can't get anything. I have T-Mobile, and T-Mobile doesn't work in the arena, and so, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. I don't receive any messages. I can't send any messages. I can't open up Twitter or anything. Like, it, 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 oh, my God, dude. 2023. Like, you're in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. You can't see anything. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, I, that is probably the biggest complaint I have about Ball Arena. Like, I, out of all of the stadiums I've been to, Ballerina probably has some of the best food. Like, they have some pretty good food at Ballerina. 
the my god the service is, you can't you can't send you can't send anything you can't yeah. see anything yeah. there's, there's nothing the wi-fi doesn't like connect like it's not that you can connect to it and like it just takes it doesn't connect at all yeah you like you click it's on ridiculous. it and it just spins like you're just waiting for the pop-up to show up and it never shows up um it, it, it's terrible like come on crockies you guys got how many dollars and this is what your fourth like major sports team like does the ram stadium have it this bad i don't know but i don't know <laughs> i have no clue i got it <laughs> but let's go into the game but we didn't talk after game one but the first half of game one was like as perfect of basketball as Denver could played and in the second half they kind of, you know, Lakers listen to you. You said the rule of Dexter would be scary yeah. um, if that was the guy that they put on because his, his size and the fact that he's not a complete offensive liability like Jared Vanderbilt would be. And in the fourth quarter of game one, that definitely took into effect. And, like, that was the only narrative that was out there uh, nationally, locally, everybody. That was the only thing they were talking about. And, like, it was concerning in the moment, but when after the game – just thinking about it, you're like, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. At and, least for me, it didn't feel like that. Yeah, and it's not that big of a deal because Jokic has seen everything. We saw it with Philly. Yeah. We saw it with Minnesota, where they put, where they let their big, uh, best defender roam um, in the paint with Embiid and Gobert, and now AD. Um, like, sure, it, it can give problems for a quarter when they've played some way for three quarters and then all of a sudden they switch it up in one quarter. Like, boom, there you go. That's a great in-game adjustment. But the narrative was that they had completely figured the Nuggets out and the Lakers are going to win the series solely because they put Rui Hachimura on Jokic and it's like the Nuggets just were going to just play the same exact way that they've been playing and not adjust to that adjustment. Um which yeah. is is ridiculous, and the whole media has like been an absolute mess with the Jokic, with the Nuggets being playing well. Um, you know, they never even imagined it. Even when the Nuggets were the one seed the entire season, they never fathomed it. They never talked about the Nuggets being a good team, and now here they are. The Nuggets fans who have been watching this team the entire year. And as we've said, like, this team is damn good, and it can win the championship, and we both think it's been the best team in the league. And we're not surprised. We both had them in the finals. We both had them winning the finals. And But everyone else yeah. is just completely and utterly shocked that they can't even talk about the Nuggets winning. They have to talk about how the Lakers are losing. The, yeah. It's not that the Nuggets are a good team. It's because the Lakers... Are messing up, or or the reason the Nuggets win is because they hit tough contested shots, as if they don't have Michael Porter, who's the best contested shot three point shooter, and Jamal Murray, who has been doing this enti- his entire career, and Jokic, who makes those shots with ease too. Like the team, the players are just amazing basketball players, <clears throat> and, and they're better than what the Lakers have, um, shot making wise. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I see on on online a bunch of Lakers fans like, oh, Lakers aren't going to shoot like this again. Like that's not going to happen. And you see all the Suns and the Timberwolves fans saying like, I remember saying, I remember thinking that too after Game One. Like I, I remember thinking right. the exact same thing. Like this is just who they are. Like right. when they're locked in, they are almost unbeatable. They're almost unbeatable. The only thing that you can hope 
for that offense to not be good is when they miss open shots like they did in the first three quarters last night. But when they're making open shots and Jamal Murray's making his three-pointers, when Jokic is fighting him every single time, and when role players like KZP and Bruce Brown are making theirs and MPJ is making his, like, you can't stop them. Because yeah. that's, that's just how the team's built. And, and, and that's, the reason why no one knows that is because no one watches. Like, right. it, they don't, people don't care. The national media does not care about the Nuggets. So the fact that this is all happening, and so many people in real time, you're seeing their brains, like, realize how good Denver is yeah. in real time. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah. Oh my God. I have a lot of words to say about that. I don't know if I should say them now, but I have a lot of words to say because that's just ridiculous. Like, right, right. But the, oh the thing that, like, is crazy to me is, like, are these people, like, just now watching basketball? Do they not realize that luck does go into basketball, does factor into shot making on a game-to-game basis? However, in a seven-game series, it's generally not about luck. It's just the better team wins the series. And the Nuggets are up 2-0 in the series, and they've had luck in, in, in both of them with the with like I guess, even though that's just how they play. Jamal Murray hitting contested threes over LeBron and AD is, is luck at this point. And, and 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 Michael Porter hitting a corner contested three is luck, even though we've seen him hit that like a thousand times in his career. Yeah. Um so yeah, that that's insane to me. The whole Jokic arriving as a superstar is insane to me. Jalen Rose, he's been superstar for like four years now. Like it's 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 not like a surprise at all. <laughs> he's a two time M. He's a bet. He has as many MVPs as Steph Curry. Like was Steph Curry not a superstar when he won his MVPs? Like I like dude. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, yeah. But anyways. Like, like, the thing that made me the most angry was the Lisa Salters clip where she says, oh, like, it's my first time watching yoga. It's like, it's your job. Yeah. Like, you get cheated. You know how much I would give to be in Lisa Salters' position to be reporting on the NBA every day and getting paid for it right. and then not watching the best player in the NBA? Like, I understand that. Maybe she meant in person because I'm sure Mike Green hasn't. I don't know if Mike Green's had a Nuggets game all year. Like that crew, I don't think has had a Nuggets game all year. I know Van Gundy and Mark Jackson have, but I don't think Breen and Salters have. So if that's what she meant, fine. I don't think that's what she meant. Didn't seem like it because she was like, "I've been sleeping on the guy." Like I didn't know it was this good. Like it's your job, man. Like come on, like what what could you possibly be doing else? Yeah, I've been seeing a Nuggets game. Isn't when you're reporting like. Our game's on at that point. Like, if you truly love the game, if you truly like basketball, you're going to watch the best player play regardless. I like, mean, it, it, that's just how it works. It just goes to show, like, just the media and the NBA. Compare that to the NFL. Like, no one was saying this about Mahomes. Oh, when Mahomes makes the makes the AFC Championship, you know, I haven't really watched him this year. Like, no, everyone <laughs> knows who Mahomes is. Everyone knows who Josh Allen, Buffalo, New York is. Like. The small market, is, but Bears, there's not even Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not even like Dr. small. Mayfield was like one of the popular guys in the sport when he was in Cleveland. Right, right. So I mean, there's not even you know small markets really because the NFL has kind of phased out the whole market thing. Like players yeah. go from San Francisco to the Broncos, like um, in free agent moves and stuff like that. Um, compare that to the NBA where, damn, like all anyone knows about is the California teams and the East coast teams. And like, 
the fact that they just don't put out and show their best product, that they don't give Memphis any games, that they don't give Denver really any games, you know, that they don't give the Heat many games. Um, oh, yeah. Sacramento. Sacramento had one national TV game the entire year. Like, come on. Um, it, it's really a joke and, like, but I, I do feel like it, it has to shift at, at, at some point, and maybe this is the year it shifts with Denver, you know, out of all cities being in the championship, but I don't yeah. know. I feel like if, if Denver wins, I think they would be the smallest market to win. Like, I, like, I saw someone say, like, if Denver wins the championship, they'd be the first team, Western Conference team to win outside of Texas or California since 1979. Wow. The only other, the other team was the, was the Sonics wow. outside of California or Texas to win in that span. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, that just shows that they push those. Like, those guys are the teams, but everyone else has other teams. Like, I just... It just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Like the NFL, like you said, they're, they're a clear example that you can make good content without pushing every single big market, regardless. Like just the way that the media talks is just ridiculous. Like the MVP conversation, every single day in like January and February was ridiculous. Like, yeah. don't you got like there were so many other things to talk about than that, and like the Russell Westbrook. Saga in LA every day is what is he issued oh because he gets traded. He gets traded for this. It's like there's so many other things to talk about. Talk about Sacramento. Talk about some yeah. like, younger team. Talk about like Orlando and how good they looked after Markel Fultz came back. Talk about what San Antonio's young core could do. Talk about what Cleveland was doing with Donovan Mitchell that trade. Like how he improved the team. Talk about like oh, there's so many other things you can talk about. This like outside of. Just the, and, what's happening in Los Angeles and New York this doesn't make any sense. And I think it'll grow the NBA in the long term. Like maybe short term, they won't get as many viewers. Even though the Lakers' final series in 2020 was one of the lowest watched final series of all time, yeah. and now you're worried about a Nuggets Heat finals due to the viewership. Who cares, man? Just have, oh my gosh, have, have, if you if you're a fan and you care about viewership, shut up. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. Why, why do you care? You're going to watch. Why, is it, why, why do you care if someone else hey, is You're it? not getting the money that the NBA is getting. Like, dude. Why are you bootlicking billionaires who don't care? Like, yeah, yeah but, but if you just talk about the good teams, you're going to grow the brand because you make, you know, everyone feel like good, I guess, the the. the the fans of the city feel good and doesn't feel like you have to be an LA fan to like see your team on TV and stuff. Like I'm just thinking back to the chargers Jags game, LA versus Jacksonville. And both teams get the same amount of coverage. Jacksonville gets the love, the chargers. No one really talks about, even though they're an LA team. Like, dude, could you imagine a Lakers, like, magic finals and how that media storm would go? I mean, it would be all pro-Lakers everything. But in football... Yeah. I mean, like, I wasn't, like, paying attention when it actually did happen. But I assume there was absolutely no coverage on the magic side. Like, oh, yeah. in 2009, that, like, I assume nobody talked about magic. Yeah, and like, it's tough with, like, social media, but, like, to see what they were saying um, without yeah. social media, but... Yeah, bro. Like like the NFL, you got two stud quarterbacks. 
we're going to market these teams. And boom, that's easy. That's as easy as it goes. You have Jokic, a two-time MVP. Market the hell out of him because he, as much as, oh, my God. All right, the more media stuff like Keyshawn Johnson not liking Jokic's game. People not liking Jokic's game is insane to me. Like, you just want to see the same, like, scoring, like, bullshit that we've just seen the entire NBA. Um, you don't want to see someone be different and be a passing savant and, and, and play a beautiful game, the most efficient game. I don't know how that's, like, unexciting to watch. I mean, that, that that's like saying... Okay, Tom Brady is unexciting to watch, but like uh, that that would be like them like picking apart Tom Brady for not being an exciting quarterback, and therefore he's you know don't put him on TV like that. That's what you're saying because yeah, he just yeah. throws short passes, even though he's yeah. efficient. It's so. like I every time on that show when they mention Jokic, Keyshawn Johnson, like, oh, oh my god. god, we gotta talk about this guy again. He's like it's something we like. I don't like watching him. He just he just yeah. you know, like stick to you. What are you seeing here? I'm talking about basketball. Yeah. It's like Kenny Smith was talking about why the Lions are going to underachieve next season. Why? Who gives him the ability to talk about that? Right. Like, I don't understand why he has that platform to talk about basketball. No one, like, Max and Jay Williams, fine. Jay Williams, throwing basketball player, good. Max Williams, or Max Kellerman went to to school to do this. Right. They know their stuff. Keon Johnson is a former receiver. Is he talking about basketball? Get someone else on there, man. Right, right. I understand I, he's part of the show, but like... Yeah, I mean, it's just like... It, 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 for ESPN, it's just all about getting names. Like, dude, Tristan Thompson getting his little 10-day contract at ESPN. Like... I mean, is there any, like, hiring process that goes into that? Or is it just, oh, he played in the NBA, he played in the NFL, and he wants to do this, so let him do it. Even though Tristan, I know more basketball than Tristan Thompson does, like, to levels. I mean, I we both know so much more basketball. Maybe not the ins and outs of the locker room and how teams are feeling and all that, but who's good, who's not good, which teams are good, which teams are not good, like... And all Tristan Thompson is what he what he did when so they did they did a a thing when the Lakers were you know kind of heating up towards the end of the regular season would the Lakers beat the Nuggets in a seven game series and Tristan Thompson's like I got one hand up for me I got one hand up for Kendrick Perkins and I got one hand up for some other NBA ESPN guy who nobody even cares about um, and, and and then Vince Carter raises his hand and then the host raises her hand. Um, and someone else raises their hand. Mark Spears. There you go. Another Na- Nuggets oh, hater. He, big, big market Spears. Big market right, Spears. right. He raises his hand. And they don't even, like, really discuss it. it they, they just shoot up. Tristan Thompson's right. hands just shoot up. He doesn't even think about it. The Lakers? Oh, my God. I, I hear the Lakers. Boom, shoot up. And then he goes and signs with them and plays .3 minutes off the bench. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, it's just weird. Um, but... Okay, we should probably get into, like, the actual game aspect. We've just been harping on the media. Though it's deserved, we've just been harping on for, like, 20 minutes. Um, and then here's, here's the whole Zoom thing. We probably only have, like, 15 minutes left. But, um, oh, yeah. But I anyways. mean, we'll, if it goes over 30, we'll just start a new matter. But, yeah, talking about the game, game two, everybody props to them. They did play a much better game defensively. They were much more honed in. 
but a lot of it was Denver just missing open shots, but a lot of it was forcing turnovers. Denver only, I think, they had 11 overall in game one, and like five of them came in the fourth quarter. And I think to, last night they had 15 or 16, like they forced them in a bunch of other turnovers. They forced them in more difficult shots. They were funneling everything towards the middle instead of towards the outside. Like, remember game one, Jamal Murray hit a ton of jumpers outside the paint, and he had a ton of mid, mid-range jumpers outside the paint. This game, they're funneling everything towards the middle, towards Anthony Davis. And it, it like Anthony Davis, as bad of an offensive game that he had, he's still an elite defender. Like, even when he has horrible offensive games, defensively, he's still doing everything yeah. right. So, like, they played a much better game. But it was just like, it was so weird in the fourth quarter to watch LeBron James completely shy away from the rim. Yeah. And it, I think part of it is he's just getting over he's injured like he doesn't want to go to the rim part of it was he's tired like and i think we talked about that um with jamal murray in the phoenix series a couple of games he wouldn't go to the rim he would just settle for jumper after jumper after jumper and he missed every single one of them i think that's the same thing that happened to lebron i think he the altitude his foot he hurt it in the fourth quarter again like he just could not get to the rim consistently so he kept having to take jumpers to conserve his energy and he's made one fourth quarter three the entire playoffs. And I think he was 0 for 4 in fourth quarter last night. It's so weird to like actually see the age like finally oh, catching yeah. up to him. Yeah. Like it, I, it, I didn't like it. It obviously was going to happen at some point, but it's just so weird to see it in real time. Yeah. And, and this is kind of like the, like whatever the term is, like perfect storm or whatever for LeBron or, or whatever, but like in a bad way of where him going against the Nuggets. Who are at altitude, who run, and who play defense, especially Aaron Gordon, who's going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the the most, you know, the worst situation I think for LeBron, and, and the situation that really shows his age the most. The Nuggets are young, um, and they're fast and they're long, and um, you know. LeBron having to settle for those threes after being worn out. I mean, that's that's what I said. You know, I, I think that they, before the series, I think that they win game two no matter what, whether it was the Lakers yeah. stealing game one and the Nuggets winning off of pure desperation or the Lakers wearing out as game two goes on like we've seen them do in every game two so far in the playoffs. They've gotten blown out in each game two except for the one um, last night. But, like, it was predictable the, with with Anthony Davis, who somehow as a twenty eight year old, twenty nine year old, in a really in shape body, like where like tires out mm-hmm. very fast. I mean, like Embiid level tires out, um, and, and LeBron he obviously gets tired, um, and then you see him pulling up for the threes, and it, it, it's such a big break because I think he's now zero for ten from three against the Nuggets in this series, and. You know, every miss will bounce away from the rim and the Nuggets will get it and they'll go. And he missed two threes mm-hmm. in that stretch where the Nuggets went on their 20-5 to five run to open up the fourth quarter. Two threes that I think turned into Nuggets threes, like on the other end. Yeah. Um, rather than him forcing the issue and driving to the basket. Um, so, yeah, by all means, let LeBron James take those take those threes. Um, and then Anthony Davis, you could tell he was tired too. Every single shot was short that he had. Yeah, he, he probably short. he probably had like the same amount of looks, I guess, that he had in game one, or the same kind of 
you know, yeah, the same, same quality, the same quality of looks. Right. And, and yeah. I think that's like what, um, Lakers fans like forget about like, Oh, the nuggets had all these lucky shots in game one, but like, damn, Anthony Davis was making everything that he usually like <clears throat> doesn't make. And he didn't make them in this game. Um, you know, finish, I think four for 15 or whatever after going 17 for 23 in game one. Um, so yeah, he looked really tired. Yeah, which is kind of interesting too because he wasn't banging with Jokic really this game except for the start, no. except for when all the starters are on the floor. Um, and even then, they moved into LeBron or Vanderbilt on, on Jokic later into the game, but D- Davis did start out on Jokic. Um, but like Jokic wears yeah. you down so much with all the off the ball movement and stuff, and AD didn't really have to guard all that, and he still got. Yeah, I think a lot of it. A lot like LA's, they got killed. Uh, both games, they got killed in transition, but a lot of game one's transition stuff was Jokic just dusting everybody down the court. Yeah. Like he was beating everybody. And I think, you know, in film, you're obviously going to see that. So I think Anthony Davis, he made a very consistent effort to either crash the glass completely or get all the way back on defense and not allow Jokic to beat everyone down the floor. Because I don't, at least in this game, I don't remember Jokic getting a mismatch ceiling, getting wide open in the paint. Like, he had, he had a couple of them in the half court, but he didn't have any in transition. I think that's, like, running up and down constantly with how fast Denver has played this season, that takes a toll on you, especially for a big body. And that's, like, what I don't get about everyone saying Jokic is unathletic. He, like, he is the most conditioned player in the NBA. Like, it's, like, it's probably Steph and then Jokic. But it's more impressive for Jokic because he's so big. Yep. And he plays so much, and he bangs so much, and he's running, he's beating everyone down the court, he's pushing the pace. When everyone gets a rebound, he's pushing. Like that that run uh, in the second quarter that Denver made when they were down eleven, they had a, a, a push to get within one uh, towards the end of the first half. Yoke is getting rebounds of pushing and getting wide open dunks, wide open threes every single time. And Anthony Davis, like. He's crashing the glass. He misses the rebound. Jokic is beating him down the court right. every single time. Right. And I think in just doing that so much wears you out so much. And for Jokic to not get completely gassed doing that is ridiculous. It really like that, is. That, people do not talk about that enough. They just look at him and like, oh, he's not athletic. No, he is the most conditioned athlete yeah. in the NBA. It's and unbelievable. I, I, and I think like people don't really talk about something that's huge in Jokic's game and something that Davis and other big men can can work on is the off the ball movement bro like whether it's oh in transition um running down the court with or without the ball that Jokic does or it's in the half court and all the 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 you know Jokic will get screened and he'll run from the left side of the court to the right side of the court get the ball bang a couple times dish it back out and then he'll go up and set the screen and then roll and then he'll get the ball again, and then he'll make his move, or he'll just keep running and running and and, and fighting for that post position because he gets such good post position to where sometimes he can just catch the ball and just go up right. And he's just right in front of the basket. Yeah. Um. And, and 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 other big men don't like really do that. They go to work when they have the ball. Like Anthony Davis goes to work one on one when he has the ball, which I like. We're going against Jokic, sure he's not gonna go up and, and swat Anthony Davis. But he's not letting AD bang his way into the paint because Jokic no. is as strong as he as you get, and he's going to force you to take either a mid range jump shot or a contested eight footed 
floater, which, you know, not really yeah. high percentage shots. Um, yeah. Like, I, that was something that people were saying before the series. To, like, at, like I remember the, the, the Hoops Venue guy uh, on Twitter, he was saying, like, Denver obliterates the Lakers in a series. And this is in, like, March <laughs> when Denver was trolling and was not trying at all at the end of the regular season. And he got cooked for it because Lakers were on a heater and Denver was sucking. Um, but during that point, like, he was saying – they don't have anyone to do the Dwight Howard to Vimaki strategy on Jokic. AD's going to have to guard him one-on-one, and that's not Anthony Davis's strength, right. and that's Jokic's strength. And like, and and you're seeing it now, but I think another underrated part of it is how good Jokic has played defensively, especially last night. But I thought in game one, too, like first quarter, first half, he was really, really good because one-on-one defensively, Jokic is good. He's always been good one-on-one if you back him down because yeah. he's ginormous. Like, you cannot go through him. You have to go around him, but he's, once again, ginormous, and he has, the, like, insanely long arms, so he can deflect everything. He's making it super, super tough. Andy Davis has had a couple of times where he's tried to go up and under the basket. Jokic is right there every yeah. single time. He's blocked it a couple of times. He's made it really tough a couple of times. Like, he has played incredible one-on-one defense on Anthony Davis, and, like, that's just something that nobody has been taught. I saw some guy say he was the worst defender on the court. I'm like, how can you possibly be seeing that when you're watching this game? Right. Like, he was phenomenal defensively last night, um, especially one-on-one. Like, that, that, people are not talking about how good he's been. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and on I, that I, end. I agree. I think, like, you know, for the Lakers, you can't keep going to that. You have to be attacking the rim. LeBron does have to attack the rim. I think they need to give mm-hmm. Reeves the ball more, like, Reeves has been good when he when he gets the ball, whether it's a three-point shot or it's him driving to the rim. And he's good at driving to the rim, and he's good at finishing. Yeah. And he has a little mid-range fadeaway game. Um, and with D'Lo struggling so much in this series and, and being played off the court in game one, um, he's a negative 41 in the 59 minutes he's played and a plus 30 in the 37 minutes without him. Um, and, and, and that's a dilemma for the Lakers because – do you bench D'Angelo Russell, make him mad, um, shorten your guard rotation, one less ball handle, handler, your only true ball handler at that point is Schroeder and LeBron, really, and Reeves at some points. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, do you do that? Because he's been such a negative on, on both ends of the floor. He's a cone on defense. He takes inefficient shots on offense. Um. So if, if they do want to bench him, shorten the rotation, so be it. Like, okay, I'll take that, you know, whatever. Or do they play him, um, and I'll take that too because he is a negative, and they'll lose the minutes with him on the floor. So, like, that's a really sticky situation for them that I, I, I think is really hard to, to figure out. Um, because, yeah. like, D'Angelo he's, he's- He's just he's such a weird player. Yeah, and he's got a big ego, and he's got um, yeah, you know, un, un, you know, not not real confidence. Like he's confident, but too much confidence in in his shot because he's just not that good um, of a shot maker. Yeah. And so that's a really big the D'Angelo Russell problem for the Lakers is something that they'll have to figure out. But um, I did think that they played well very well in game two um, that I think they can definitely build off of. Like the Nuggets defense, uh, half-court offense was not good in this game. 
No. At all. And, and, and that was mostly Lakers defense, um, especially with Vanderbilt out there. So much length. Um, and, and AD roaming is, is really tough. Uh, Jokic, again, you know, zero points in the fourth quarter. Zero made field goals in both of the fourth quarters um, in both of these games. And But, you know, with Jokic, you're just going to get what, what what is needed. If he needed to score, I think he can score. Yeah. But he realizes yeah, Murray's I'm, on I'm fire. not worried about it. Last night's scoring, I'm not worried. Because he was just feeding the hot hand. Yeah. Like, there was no reason for him to score. The first, first game one was a little concerning. But I, I don't think, like, any adjustment. Like, he's going to know when what to do when that adjustment comes. Because in, in the first half, he was the only guy who was getting to the basket consistently. He was the only guy scoring consistently in the first half. And that was with AD on him. That was with Hachimura, with Vando, LeBron. Like, whoever it was, like, he was doing fine. But in the second half, like, they made such a more conceited effort to try and get other guys going. Like, he didn't shoot that much in the second half at all. He had some, like, desperation threes and right. some weird, like, end of shot clock floaters. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. The, the, the Devo thing is so weird to me because, like, you know that his ceiling is so high. Like, his ceiling is, like, a bona fide number three on, I mean, he on was, the Lakers team. Did he make the all-star team with Brooklyn? Or was he was almost yeah. an all-star I forget if he, know, made, he, he made he Brooklyn. Like he, he can get to that level. Yeah. But like you just since that point in Brooklyn you have not seen it consistently whatsoever. And it's so odd because he still has the confidence and like props in for having the confidence because you have to have it. But it's just so weird to see it because it like you know he can do it, but you just haven't seen it consistently at all over the past four seasons. So that's definitely an issue for the Lakers to have because when he's playing well I don't remember what game it was against um, Golden yeah. State, but he had a good game against Golden State, and he had one good one against Memphis. And their offense just looks so much better when he's making shots. So, like, just for the possibility of that happening, you have to keep him in there because I think your offense, like, the ball handling goes down, like you said, so much if you take him out of the lineup. Like, I think LA's best lineup is probably Schroeder, Reeves, Hachimura, LeBron, AD. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the best combination of spacing and defense that you can have. But once again, that's only two primary ball handlers. Like you don't have other people who can really get to the rim in that in that lineup. And that's a that's a big time issue for them. Like with Denver, you have a bunch of people who can get to the rim. You have other actions that you can run to get shots. The rim shots from three point line. LA doesn't really have that. And that's what like, I was talking about this earlier. I'll try and get this out before speaking ends. Um, I was saying this earlier, like, something I love about Denver is something I feel about Denver. They don't have, like, their offense doesn't hunt people. Like, they hunted D'Angelo Russell, but it didn't really feel like they were attacking him and isoing him and, like, forcing help to come. They were just running actions with him involved in it. And what the, like, I love that about them, and I also don't like it because if there's somebody in foul trouble or if there is a weak defender on the team, they won't really go at him. And they won't really go at them consistently like the Lakers. LeBron James is getting Jamal Murray involved every single action. He's getting Michael Porter involved in every single action. And it works a lot of the time, but eventually they're going to figure it out. So, like, it's the key sound in your back pocket, but LA doesn't really have a consistent action that they can get to, like the Murray Jokic yeah. two man game. Or that they ran the same play in the fourth quarter to get a three, like, for different time with Murray and Porter, and it worked every single time. And, like, I. They had wind guard probably a single time. Um, So for these last two minutes, I want to, like, ask you, I guess, um, it it feels like we're settling into the series. Like, we know what the Lakers are going to do defensively. 
We know what nug- what the Nuggets have been doing defensively. And it was an even game last game um, and, and evenly played after the, the Lakers made that adjustment in game one. So, like, what do the Nuggets have to do in game three on the road that makes you comfortable with them winning? I think you still have to play through Jokic. I don't think you can, you, you can go away from that because I still think you have to make the Lakers work on defense. You can't let them off the hook. You have to force them to keep that adjustment of playing small on him and forcing the help to come. Because if you do that, Denver has the counters to make it work. They just have to make their open shots. Like, that's just all. Like, in the first three quarters and in the fourth quarter, they didn't make their open shots. But, like, but in the fourth quarter of game two, they made their open looks. Everyone was getting involved and they're running in transition. Yeah. Like, those are the keys. Make your open shots off the rotations. Nobody can be hesitant. Like, KCP and MPJ at points last game were hesitant um, when they had open looks, and you can't have that. So, don't be hesitant on open looks. And keep running in transition, because everyone's transition defense is horrendous. Like, I, that was the key in their bubble year. They were running in transition, and they were able to get back and stop our transition. They, this, they haven't been doing that at all. Yeah. Their transition offense has been fine, but their transition defense is awful. So, keep, keep doing that, and I think... Denver will have a chance, but it'll be hard. LA is such a tough place to win. They're undefeated at home. Denver wraps themselves every time they play in LA, too. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It, it, running in transition is, is super important. Because um, it's just, I, I remember like early on, as we have less than a minute remaining, but like kind of, you know, a few years ago, the Nuggets' pace was near the bottom of the league. After with George Carl, they were near the top of the league and they were one of the best home teams with that, that pace. Um, and really, like, this feels like just the first year where it's like the pace is, is unreal. Like, you know, I, I don't know what the ranking is, but damn it, as he leaves. But um, I don't know what the ranking is of their transition offense and how fast that their pace is. But, um, you know, just <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs>